Hello and welcome to Data Driven, the podcast where we explore the emerging field of data science. We bring the best minds in data, software engineering, machine learning and artificial intelligence. Now here are your hosts, Frank Lavinia and Andy Leonard. Hello and welcome back to Data Driven, the podcast where we explore the emerging fields of data science, machine learning and artificial intelligence. If you like to think of data as the new oil, then you can consider us Car Talk because we focus on where data meets the virtual road. With me as ever on this epic virtual road trip down the information superhighway is Andy Leonard. How you doing, Andy? I'm doing well, Frank. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So we're recording this on Labor Day uh, 2017. And uh, a couple of things come to mind on Labor Day, particularly in the U.S. Uh, cookouts. Uh, and in the United States and presumably Canada, uh, we're kind of at the end of the summer season. So the rush is on to get as much summer in in the next, uh, you know, 12 hours as possible. Uh, as for me, uh, wife and kids and I are going to the Frederick Keys, which is a, uh, a baseball team, minor league baseball team up in Frederick, Maryland. So we're going to catch a game. <laughs> I am always eager to use those. And I think we actually didn't use them until about two shows ago. Yep. So. Uh, maybe we can start doing some fun special effects, but without turning into one of those cheesy like morning shows on, t- exactly. on the radio. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so I'm excited about that. And, and Labor Day actually brings to mind a project that I uh, once did uh, when I was at Microsoft for uh, technically it was the city of Boston, but it was really for the Massachusetts Department of Transportation, uh, where they ha- wanted to have a hackathon kind of. Um, contest to, to pick when is the best day to get out of town. I think it was called Make Your Escape or something like that. And I'm not sure how they've um, progressed that since leaving Microsoft, but uh, the idea was to take um, traffic data from various sensors that they have uh, across highways on the state uh, and then use um, number crunching and to figure out when the bo- best possible time to leave is uh, for the holiday weekend. And spoiler alert, it turns out that, you know, if, you, if you're thinking you're going to leave Friday morning, everyone else is thinking the same thing. So probably, <laughs> probably too late to help people this year, but, you know, there's always next year and there's always another holiday weekend. How about you, Andy? What's, the, what's on the agenda for you? Oh, I am uh, I'm actually working on a presentation this morning. I know it's Labor Day and I'm working. But right after this recording, uh, we're going to do a couple family things. We're going to gather the uh, the boys up and uh, and Emma and Christy, and we're going to head over to the park for about an hour, just kind of hang out, uh, squeeze in one last hour of summer there. And uh, Emma and I believe Christy are going to see a movie that Emma's been wanting to see forever. Me and the boys are going to come back here and probably get back on our computers and play and work. Cool. Exciting, right? It sounds very exciting. In fact, the, isn't the new catchphrase, where are we going to go and stare at our screens? The new, um, where? <laughs> um, but um, so speaking of working on Labor Day, we are very uh, pleased to uh, have our guest who was gracious enough to accommodate kind of the hectic schedule um, of that Andy and I both have. And um, tell us about our guest, Andy. Well, I'd be happy to. Um, Kent Bradshaw is a friend and a brother, and Kent and I met, gosh, it's been around 10 years ago, 
and we started working together at Unisys, which later became Molina. And um, we've worked together pretty much since then. There's been a couple of gaps where I quit first and then he quit about a year later. And we've done a couple of big consulting gigs together. Uh, Kent's a, a database administrator who then learned data integration. And he knows a couple of platforms. He knows Informatica. He knows SSIS. Uh, Kent's an SSIS architect. And he is also one of the consultants who works with me at Enterprise Data and Analytics. And most recently, and really the inspiration for this show, is uh, Kent just received his Microsoft Certified Data Scientist Certificate, uh, along with you, Frank. And we yep. were talking about that. We, we were talking about, wouldn't it be nice to do a show where we get a couple people who've just gone through this process from the beginning to the end, while everything is relatively fresh in your minds, although it's, you know, it's several months to do this process, even if you do it really quickly, right. it's several months. Uh, in fact, Frank just posted a blog post that's dated today that uh, how to become a data scientist in six months. And, you know, it's uh, Frank really threw everything at this. I mean, you were you were doing it just as fast as it could be done. I think you were listening to things at like 2x speed and stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was like, like in Ghostbusters where uh, he records 20-minute workout, but he plays it back at twice the speed so he can get it done in 10 minutes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you were doing that. But it, we thought it would be really interesting while it was still fresh on y'all's mind to get y'all together. And, and let's walk through this. Let's talk about some of the stuff, some of the great stuff that happened, some of the challenges um, and, and just see, you know, to let people know what is it like? Because I'll bet there's a bunch of people out there listening to our podcast that are interested in becoming Microsoft Certified Data Scientists, and they just don't know what's involved. Right. Absolutely. So uh, what what would be your advice to that person, Kent, uh, who's listening here and thinking, well, I want to do this, but, you know, how hard is it? You know, um, what what would be your advice? Uh, my advice, first of all, thank you all very much for, uh, for letting me be part of this. It's, uh, it's a real honor to be sitting here with you guys and, uh, and chatting about the stuff that we, uh, that we do every day. And, uh, thank you very much. Um, wow. It's, you know, people that are interested in this, uh, when I got into it, I don't, I don't think I realized exactly how deep it was going to be. And um, I think what you have to do is, first of all, uh, manage your expectations about going into this thing. Uh, it's, it may take you a little bit longer than what you really anticipate. You read the, uh, the course uh, uh, synopsis, uh, and it says it should take you this long. Uh, I would pad that a little bit because I caught myself you know, re-listening to lectures and stuff just to uh, to get hold of, of what it was they were doing because I think I told Andy when we got into like the statistics stuff, it's like it's blowing me away because it's like I said, Andy, you know, man, when I took statistics in school, all we had was a deck of cards and a bag of marbles and that's all we, you know, dealt with. <laughs> and now look at all this stuff they're doing and it was like culture shock for me. So uh, uh, because... I'm, I'm a fossil. I'm an old guy. And, um, 
but it was it was really cool you kind of get on a roll with this stuff and uh uh just uh, you know early on it's 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 getting building blocks and just you know making a brick and setting it there but then as you get into the classes you start putting the bricks together and and it starts building something and that's where it really gets exciting so don't get frustrated you know up front because you're taking something it's like i don't know if i'm ever going to use this or you know this is boring and it's not really teaching me anything hang in there because uh it's going to come a point in the curriculum where you're going to have to fasten your seat belt because it's really going to start moving and that's where it really gets fun so um but it's it's a long haul so yeah i'll second that there were definitely points early particularly early probably the first third um so for those of you who don't know uh as of today and as of when we were doing it it's about it's it's 10 classes um and um the 10th one isn't so much a class as it is a capstone project. So you go through nine classes. You actually get nine certifications or you actually get 10 certifications. Then you get from the other site uh, from Microsoft. Then you get the, you know, the big certification that says, you know, now you're a Microsoft certified data scientist. So all along the way, you, you can kind of have, um, you know, you can put little milestones up and you can post this to your LinkedIn profile. And the first couple of classes is kind of like, well, duh, that's just kind of advanced Excel. And it doesn't really feel like you're making a major change in your career uh, as it was with me. It's like, but you're right. I mean, like, like, that's a great analogy. You felt like you were, you, you were building a foundation uh, to which then you could go through the statistics, uh, the statistics class. And for me personally, the, 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 um, the pendulum really swung in the other direction. Once I, uh, once I, I, I finished the statistics class, because then I felt like, you know what? And I would watch videos online about data science and machine learning. It was that class after hearing all those terms and understanding the deeper meanings behind those terms that I felt, yes, I actually am making the transition out to a data scientist. That was kind of, for me, the, the point of no return. Like I, I, I'd finally done it. And that was sometime in um, late February, early March. And I had started the, the program in uh, mid-December. So, I mean, it can take, and I was doing things pretty rapidly too, because um, the other analogy I like to use is like Neo and the matrix where like, you know, you, you plug in and then you download all that information as quickly as possible. Um, and I think I did one of the classes, I did the Python class so fast that like, I, I, I think Andy, that was the week I got two certs in like a week and a half. And yeah, that was crazy. That was intense. Um, I remember like, just like, I couldn't, I couldn't like, it's, it felt like I just completely overwhelmed my brain. Like I couldn't like string two words together that wasn't code. It was very bizarre. Like it was, <laughs> I remember laying there, it was like Friday afternoon and I, I was just like completely like, duh, 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 duh. <laughs> well, you kept sending me screenshots of your progress and mm -hmm. you know, they have a really neat little bar graph there that, that shows how you're doing and how much more you have to do. And, and then your overall score, how you've done. And I kept getting like two or three of these a day. And I was like, Holy smokes. What is Frank doing over there? <laughs> No, I was just, uh, I was kind of chuckling, you know, listening to Frank, because that's kind of the way I was. And, and in some of those classes, you know, you kind of have to be careful because you kind of get addicted to it. <laughs> and it's like, oh, man, yeah, let me, let me just do one more. Let me just do one more lecture. And then I could do, a, you know, the, the assessment and that'll do it for the day. You know, and then three hours later, you're about six more, you know, 
modules in and it's like yeah you know just 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 one more <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> i i got to the point where um so one of the things that i didn't know so my my, my goal all along was to be ready for the final capstone project on may 1st um and uh it was much to my surprise that they actually offer the capstone project uh four times a year uh and that would be the first quarter of the month so i actually missed it for april um, so then I found myself at the end of, you know, in May wondering, being addicted, like, oh my God, what am I going to learn today? And it was like, well, nothing really. Um, so I ended up, I think this is how the phrase, uh, there's no brakes on the F train came about, Andy. I think uh, so. Was, um, taking other classes, um, for another miniature certification, which is the certified data analyst, which is all Hadoop and Spark and all that. Um, because I didn't want to lose that momentum I had. And plus, uh, just like Kent said, there's an addictive nature to these courses. Yeah, I had to be careful. I really did. And my wife made sure I was careful. <laughs> <laughs> I've had those conversations too. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that's great about this is that it's not its not actually, what's interesting about this is kind of a new wave Microsoft we're seeing. In the past, this would have been kind of those tests where you go into a testing center and you study for it, and then you get those certifications. This is different because it's more of a true MOOC, or MOOC, uh, the um, Massive Online Open Courseware. Is that the, exactly what the phrase is? Something like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, what was interesting was it's done by another company. It's actually a nonprofit called edX, and it's edX.org. And um, the courses are actually free, but if you want to get a certification to prove that you've taken the classes – they're anywhere between 49 to 99 to I think a couple of them are 149. Yeah, well I think they dropped the $49 deal. It's all you know the 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 floor is at 99 now. Oh okay. So we were lucky yeah. we started when we did. Yes we are. <laughs> <laughs> but um one of the questions that, uh, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, what what made you pick the edX, the Microsoft certification? Uh, I think towards the end of last year, um, Andy and I, you know, were were chatting around and stuff, and uh, and, and really became aware of uh, the the certification, Microsoft Academy, and the and the edX courses, and in in. What we were reading and seeing, it's like, you know, our life was data integration and um, and finding out more of the data science, really, and, and it gets uh, reinforced heavily in the courses, you know, from these really super smart people that uh, the data integration portion of data science uh, really comprises of anywhere from 60 to 80 percent of the work. And it's like, well, shoot, you know, I'm already doing 80% of what a data scientist does. So I might as well go learn the other 20 right. <laughs> and get a certification. But it was a whole lot more than that for me um, once I got into it. Because, you know, data integration, we're typically doing data warehouses and or just you know, moving data from from one environment to another, and and doing some shaping and um, and, and architecture to it. But what I, really struck me in coming through the classes and incorporating data integration into it is is knowing this this 
kind of new way of, of looking at data or not a, a different way of looking at the data and understanding what a what a data scientist needs to do their job can really have an impact up front on how you integrate the data into the environment so that even if I'm not even doing the data science end of it, I can make his life a whole lot easier because I understand what it is that he wants. Right. No, absolutely. And I think there's also a certain aspect of respecting the statistics behind it. Absolutely. Yeah. Once you study the stats part of it, it seems less like magic and more like science. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because some of the, the claims that are made by data science, some of them are true, some of them are exaggerated, um, is, you know, the ability to predict the future. I mean, um, it sounds all like hocus pocus and magic, but what is fascinating is that once you learn the statistics side of it, it's like, well, you know, it's not that mysterious anymore. I agree. Absolutely. Well, one of the things y'all mentioned earlier, and I don't want to, I'm not correcting you, I promise, but I just want to make sure that our listeners who aren't familiar with the program have a, as complete a picture as we can give them. Uh, you were talking about the costs involved. If you don't want the certification, if you don't want the certificate part of the certification, you can attend all of these courses, I, I think. I'm not sure about the statistics one, but I believe you can attend these courses and basically audit them for free. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, any of them you can do for free. Wow. Only if you want the official Microsoft Certified Data Scientist Certificate, uh, which both of you have achieved, uh, do you have to pay. That's correct. And, you know, I think all told, it would probably, depending on what the, 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 the new floor ceiling for the price is, about $100 now. So 10 courses, I think one of them might be... Um, more expensive. That was the Columbia one. Though I've yeah. heard that the Columbia one is no longer part of the curriculum. So if you're starting now, um, they actually have a course done by, I think Liberty was her name. She was in the first one. And then you mm -hmm. had uh, Graham Malcolm was the other guy. Right. And um, so I don't know if that being associated with Columbia, you know, you have to pay more money. <laughs> but um but I mean, altogether, I mean, it's going to be somewhere between one thousand and you know fifteen hundred dollars. One thing, one thing I was, uh, I, I thought after going through the whole thing is if someone just thought they might be interested in it and just kind of wanted to see what it was about, it, it might be in their best interest to go. Uh, you know that um, the the course that was the the. Uh, basics of machine language, kind of an introduction to machine language type stuff. If they would audit that course, not really looking to uh, learn it, but just kind of sit back and watch what they do with it. And, you know, to me, that could say, wow, that's some neat stuff. I really want to go find out what this is all about. And then you start at the beginning and take the courses and come up. If, if you really don't have any idea what, what data science is all about, um, you know, that way you don't take all those courses and then get up to it and say, yeah, this is not really what I want to do. And you wasted some time and money and, um, you know, not really wasted. You probably learned some stuff along the way, but if it's just not your thing, you'd probably better serve to do something else. But I think that'd be a good place to start is just audit that thing and, uh, and, and kind of get excited about it. That's a good idea. I hadn't thought of that. I, um, 
I always, you know, I, before going into it, I, you know, I, I knew I wanted to, to do data science. So it wasn't really, I didn't, I didn't have that uncertainty factor. Yeah, well, I, I didn't either, but this was just kind of a retrospect, you know, and talking to people and they go, oh, you know, I got this, this uh, data science certification. They go, what's that? And so I started explaining it and they kind of go, oh, okay. And I was like, you know, you really might like it. And, um, you know, go check that thing out for free and, uh, and you know, see if it's something that interests you. You know, if it does, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah. That's true. And it's what was great about this program is that you can do it um, – in off hours, you can do it kind of in the car because you, there's a mobile app for it. Um, and, you know, I found myself, you know, waiting in line at like, you know, DMV or whatever. And I'm got my headphones on and I'm listening to a lecture. And, uh, I, I, you know, it's been a long time since I've been really that engaged to learn something new. And the professors and the courses that they've chosen, they're really, they're really great. In fact, a number of the courses are taught by um, uh, two people. And um, they were really good. I mean, it was um, – I'm blanking on their names right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, though, the, it's, uh, there's a lady. I'm oh, sorry. Both Princeton PhDs. They're both Princeton PhDs. Um, one guy was involved with the creation of the R language. And we'll, we'll put this in the show notes, who they are. And the other lady, Cynthia, was her name. And then right. she runs the – I think the data science, uh, data and science, data science and society, or something like that, lab in um, in Duke University, and um, they 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 worked out really as a good pair because she was very much focused on teaching you the theory, and then he was very good at teaching you how to do implement the code, and they both very clearly knew what they were doing, and not only that, but you know, so when you saw it, almost got to the point where you know, I think four of the courses are done by them. So, you know, you get to, you feel like you know them because you spend so much time with them. So whenever you saw her, you're like, oh, this is going to be deep, you know, deep into theory. And then you saw him was like, all right, now, you know, crack my knuckles. I'm going to start slinging some code now. Um, Yeah, I'll I'll be honest with you. The the first uh, couple of modules that Cynthia was doing in the very first course, and she started putting up all those, uh, all those equations. Yeah. And I'm going. Oh, I'm in big trouble now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, so I kept going through. I was like, "Man, this is really going to be tough." And then, and then you get to the application, or, or she gets to the very end and goes, "But don't worry, you don't have to memorize the uh, the equations because it's built in for you." And I'm like, "Oh, that is so cool." <laughs> and it's always cool because you can always go back and like relearn like the theory. So I mean, it's kind of like um... right. I, I, for that, I mean, I really appreciated that she would explain the theory, and it wasn't just a kind of never mind. You're never gonna have to know this. But I think from I think it was from her I learned that you have to uh, respect the statistics, respect the math. Like in Breaking Bad, respect the chemistry. Um, yeah. And um, uh, you know, it was just it was really good, and and they they really played a good team. It was kind of like the good cop bad cop team, you know, like the academic and practical. Um, mm-hmm. working together that was that was really good and overall the program was great because if you compare it to other ones that are out there for data science certifications i mean some of them are charging forty thousand dollars wow that's a lot of money that's a car that's a nice car it is and um talking about the cost that's okay we we're talking about the cost earlier i keep coming back to that but the um you know when you compare that to 
uh, say, I don't know, a four-year degree. Uh, we were talking 1000 to $1,500 as of, you know, September 2017. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'd encourage someone to do the return on investment calculation, cost benefits analysis spreadsheet on that or not. But, you know, you could. You mean versus the, the, the $1,000 versus the $40,000? Well, yeah, depending on the school you go to, you know, right. it could be forty grand a year. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. But but the the problem I had wasn't so much that I don't want to name the universities because maybe they've changed their prices. But when I looked at this about a year ago, um, you know, one one school, very prestigious engineering school, and um, they they were basically looking for forty thousand dollars, and that was a certificate. Um, and I just thought. If I'm going to spend forty thousand dollars, I'm going to have to have a real degree, like, <laughs> like not just a paper. You know, I want it printed yeah. on that that fancy paper. Um, you want the sheepskin, bro. I want the sheepskin, not the paper. But um, I, you know, I, I mean, I suspect is that basically where they get that is people have their employers pay for it, so it's somebody else's money. I just have to say that that going through the edX uh, courses, the 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 quality of the instructors i don't know that you could get much better than than the people that they brought in i i agree it's hard to imagine what i mean i think what you really get is the name of that prestigious organization stamp right. on the paper versus this and um you know and and data science is such a new field i think having just any certifications beats most people unless you're a phd mm-hmm. in the field right well, and you know, the um, the PhDs have been uh, kind of pushing that. I've heard colleges uh, clearly come out against the certifications, um, not directly, but it's a little backhanded. And they're saying things like, well, you have to have a PhD to, to be a true data scientist. And Frank, you had a really interesting data point conversation with, um, I, I forget her name. Chris, I just remember Kristen that Tola. she's buck- Christopher, yeah. yeah. I'm probably mispronouncing yeah, her last she, name, but yeah. Yes. And she's Buck Woody's boss, which right there, you know, I have tremendous sympathy for the woman. Um, <laughs> Patience of a saint. Just just kidding, Buck. <laughs> Buck was an awesome guest, by the way. Um, and so, yeah, she and she said something uh, to you about that. And she said I was a data scientist and that even though she has a Ph.D., you know, she she recognizes that you don't have to have a PhD to be a data scientist. And, you know, at that point, I think we were in the middle of the capstone project and it wasn't completely done yet. But when, you know, if if one of the Jedis in the Jedi Council says you're a Jedi, I'm going to go with that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Give me the sword. That's right. So, I mean, it's it, it's it's a very interesting field because um, – it's one of those t- – I think we're in one of those times in places where something that was securely kind of strictly an academic um, discipline is now being taken out and put amongst the engineers. No, that fits. And, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of a phrase of a friend of mine when you said that, the engineers. He, he likes to refer to, to, uh, to groups like this as the unwashed masses. And uh, – <laughs> you know, it's, it fits. I mean, it fits. And it, it goes to what Kent said earlier. 
about the um, you know the data integration side. I mean, we've been slinging code for decades. Kent and I have. I've been doing data integration since before I knew what it was called, and um, you know to see that it's such a big part of what data scientists do now. And, and we had this conversation with. Um, in fact, our first interview was with uh, with Jen Underwood. And not long after that interview, uh, which is a great show, by the way, go back and listen to it. And not long after that, Jen posted a note on LinkedIn where she had spoken with, I think it was a CEO, and they had received hundreds of resumes from people who claimed to be data scientists. And he began interviewing them and asking them questions about, you know, analytics and, you know, like in the OLAP days, right, online analytical processing. And he began asking them questions about shaping data, which is a data integration uh, function. And he said nobody knew anything about that. And he's smart enough, this particular CEO was a male, he was smart enough to know that a data scientist's job requires a lot of that stuff, right? It requires the old, the old stuff we used to do with cubes and still do, you know, facts and dimensions. It requires knowledge of shaping data, which is the stuff we still do with data integration. And he, he just wasn't finding anybody that was answering those questions to his satisfaction. And I, I found that astounding. Well, I think part of it was that CEO's um, insistence was that he wanted to have people with um, degrees in data science or something like that. Wh whoever that CEO was seemed to have a expectation of having someone who was uh, had a PhD or advanced degree in statistics or um, – or, or data science, as it were, even though... You know, I'm not sure, Frank. I'm not sure. I think he was looking for certified people. I think he was actually pulling in people who had recently certified. Oh, really? Okay. That's my understanding, but I could be wrong. So my interpretation of the same story, and I guess this, this goes into how, you know, the game of telephone, was that um, he was insistent on getting people with PhDs. And while they knew all the theories, uh, they asked them what ETL was, and they 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 had no idea. Wow! So, which is for the for those who don't know, ETL is extract, transform, transfer, or transform, 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 and load. So, which is kind of a, a key thing in data engineering. And I think I think what we're seeing now is that the the dawn of quite quote unquote data scientists becoming a two field type thing where it's data scientist and data engineer. Yeah. Yeah. We had that recent interview with uh, Stephen Fowler and um, he made some really good points along those lines. Go listen to that one too. Like if yeah. you listen to this show, now you've got to listen to two or three others. We're going to get you hooked people. We're going to get you hooked. <laughs> I um, think you need to sell the box set, Andy. <laughs> 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 that would be funny. No, but we, we, we've been very fortunate, though, Ken. I mean, we've had some amazing people in a very short period of time. and Yeah, I know. That's why I was really shocked you all asked I me. was going to say <laughs> present company included. Um, I guess it's because it was a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, it's, 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 an interesting, it's an interesting time to be in this field because it's a lot like what the web was when I first started. Well, who, who is a webmaster? Right, and the first people's knee-jerk reaction was, "Well, it's a system admin," and then it became, "Well, maybe it's the lead developer," right? And then it became, "No, it should be the person who's in charge of content." And you That's know, true. 
and then eventually that 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 kind of debate got settled because you don't hear much about who's the webmaster anymore, right? You have kind of the engineering team leads, and you have kind of the content leads, you know that, and then or, and then you have a system administrator. So that that one role kind of became three different roles, right? And, and vers- I, I hear you saying that about the data engineer and the data scientist, and I think that's a that was a very cogent argument that uh, that Stephen offered in his in the show about how that's splitting into what it should be, really. Because it's hard to find people, uh, you know, as as you were telling your side of the, your interpretation of the story, it's hard to find PhDs who understand um, how to sling code, who understand data integration. It's not that they're not smart enough to know it. My goodness, they're way more smart than they need to be to, to understand how to do what we do. It's just they don't have the experience. It's not something that they're taught, and it didn't seem important at the time. Well, that's something they have the grad students do, to sling the code for them. Well, there you go, yeah. <laughs> Get me a data set. <laughs> that's right. Just do this. I don't want to know how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, one thing, one thing has really been, one thing has really been cool. I think, especially, you know, going through the, uh, the, the curriculum and all that, getting the certification is, you know, since that's happened, all of a sudden the, uh, the IBM Watson commercials on TV where, uh, the elevator repair man shows up, you know, and it's like, well, the elevator's not broken. He says, well, some guy called and said it was, and it was Watson. And that's the predictive analytics. That's the, the exercises we went through in the curriculum is saying, according to this data, uh, it looks like you may have a problem with elevator number two within the next three days. So you can take care of it right now if you want, you know, and, um, and the uh, out in the vineyard, it's you know Watson says, well, it looks like uh, your yield is uh, is suffering over there because you're over irrigating. You may want to back off on that, you know. And that's just the and I'm going, hey, that's what we've been doing <laughs> in the classes, and uh, it's just really cool how it's just uh, you know slowly um, eking its way into all aspects of our lives. Yeah, and I'll have to second that because a, a, a year ago I had to explain like, well, this is what I want to do next, and then it was kind of like I don't understand. You know, a lot of people wouldn't understand, and now I can point them to the Watson commercials. Yeah, and and they go, I don't. They can't do that. They can't do that. That's well, magic. Yes, they can. <laughs> yes, they can. Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Someone said that. It was Arthur C. Clarke. It was Arthur C. Clarke, yep. And this is the point in the show where we thank our sponsors who make Data Driven possible. You know, on Data Driven, we talk a lot about data science, machine learning, and artificial intelligence. But did you know the hardest part of any data science-related project is data integration? Data scientists often call data integration, data wrangling, or the icky word, munging. But it's all about making sure the analytics engine that you're using has valid and clean data. Enterprise Data and Analytics specializes in data integration and can help your enterprise build better data integration solutions faster with best practices and automation. 
Enterprise Data and Analytics offers training and consulting services for SQL Server Integration Services, SSIS, and Business Intelligence Markup Language, or BIML. Visit entdna.com to learn more. Enterprise Data and Analytics. Data. It's in their DNA. some standard questions that we like to ask guests on our show just so folks can get to know you a little bit better um Uh-oh. yes one of them is how did you find your way into data and specifically did data find you or did you find data oh i would have to say that data found me um I kind of took the long route uh, from what most people do. Um, I actually had a part-time job in high school working at a bank operations center. And uh, it was I, I enjoyed it, and I just didn't want to go straight into school. And they offered me a full-time job. So I went ahead and took it, and I started night school. I said, yeah, well, I'll take some classes and, you know, kind of work my way towards that. But, you know, this work thing and making some money is pretty cool. Um, but I quickly got myself into the the new department. And I actually was the department. I found out it's just uh, they called it a department. But it was that new thing called ACH. Uh, which is, it's an antiquated term now, probably, but automated clearinghouse, that was the big hot thing. And we were doing, you know, automated, uh, payrolls and social security, direct deposit and all that stuff was, was new. And so, so I got into that and that allowed me to, uh, work very closely with, uh, the programmers at the bank. And so as I and, and they were very they were very cool in, in that they they would, you know, kind of explain what it was they were doing with this data that I was providing. And um, and it's like, wow, that is pretty neat. You know, that's, that's kind of interesting. I was always kind of a, of a engineering numbers type kind of guy and this just intrigued me and I said you know what I think that's kind of direction I'd like to try to go in but then it's like well I don't have a college degree and and all that stuff Um, so I I looked in uh, for places that would actually have a trainee program in programming and as luck would have it have it uh, the, the state was one of those and so I plugged along, and about a year later, I got a job in in, the, in operations at the state. And uh, because of the other experience and stuff that I had, within a year after that, I got a trainee job. And, um, I mean, that was my goal, so I pushed to get myself in position for that. But I, I got a trainee job, and in a couple of months, that will be 39 years ago that that all started. Wow. And uh, it's just been quite the journey since then. It started in mainframes, you know, card systems, the old card sorter thing, you know. Well, it was, oh, what a nightmare that was. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a story for another day. But, you know, then worked into uh, – 
client server. I was doing uh, SQL Server 4.22 and, <laughs> and um, just uh, kind of meandered my way right on up through and eventually uh, got my college degree uh, from night school and uh, just decided at some point, it's like I wasted all this, not wasted, I hate to say that to my professors. I spent all this time uh, pursuing this degree. Uh, I want that piece of paper on the wall to, you know, remind myself of all the uh, ball games and Monday night football and stuff that I gave up. You know, <laughs> so, so that's kind of how it happened. You know, I was just doing a job and all of a sudden data showed up and kind of swept me off with it like a tidal wave. Wow. Um, it's interesting how people feel that, you know, data chose them as opposed to choosing data. It, it, it kind of jumps out at you and grabs you. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened to me. So uh, here's our next question. Uh, what's your favorite part of your current gig? And I do realize our co-host is, is kind of your boss. So yeah, I love working with Andy Leonard. <laughs> <laughs> That's an excellent answer. Ken. And that is the absolute truth. Um, uh, Andy and I, I, I just work so well together. Andy kind of comes, uh, well, we we both have like this, this, this pseudo engineering thing going on, but Andy approaches things, uh, like from a, from a developer's point of view and me kind of being a DBA and, uh, in past life and still doing a bunch of that, but, but into, uh, the database development side of things and the architecture side, we approach a problem from two different ways. And I think between the two of us, the solutions that we come up with are, are the, the optimal thing, you know, given the set of circumstances that we had. And I think that's the cool thing that I really like about what I'm doing now, being the, uh, the the consultant is when we're brought in, it's not typically to do the mundane everyday type stuff it's somebody's got a problem and they need it fixed and that's the cool part it's the challenge of of finding that problem and fixing it and the satisfaction of kind of like walking away like the lone ranger going well my job is done here <laughs> and and ride off into the sunset but um but yeah it's it's the problem solving and um that's what i really enjoy well i enjoy working with you too kent it's a it's truly a joy i I joke, but it's only half joking. I feel like you're the big brother I never had. So, oh. love working <laughs> with you, brother. All right. So, we have another. Uh, actually, we've got a couple of three of these complete the sentence type questions. Um, when I'm not working, I enjoy blank. Oh, it has to be uh, to my family, uh, especially uh, got the kids, and I'm a grandfather, and uh just love that so my family i love road trips with my wife we just i, I kind of joke that we kind of keep the motor running so that we can go at a moment's notice and um and then there's uh there's golf that's kind of my uh my addictive thing i love my golf and um so as much as i can that's what i do so here's a follow-up question um do you track your uh progress or lack of progress uh, to get data points on your golf? Now that would be way too frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> now, I learned a long time ago um, that uh, 
golf is is a game to be enjoyed and not taken seriously. I actually had a business, a side business, for about 12 years where I um, custom-made golf clubs. And, uh, and I was really getting into it, and, and I've, I found myself getting to the point, as, as technology entered into that area also, um, it, it was starting to get a little overwhelming. And I said, you know what, I'm getting, I'm getting in too deep into this thing to where I'm, I'm not even really enjoying playing anymore because I'm, all I'm thinking about is, is, is the technology of it. And I said, you know what? And this happened when I moved. We we left where we were and came, and we got a got a new place, and it's in a golf community. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm just going to play golf and enjoy it, and uh, and let it be my uh, my escape rather than my captor. So <laughs> so no, I don't capture any of that. The only thing that happens is I enter my scores and. And the VSGA calculates my handicap, and that's as about as technical as I get with it. So uh, uh, here's another complete the sentence. Uh, I think the coolest thing in technology today is? Well, after what I've been through in the last six months, to me, it's, it's data science. It's, it's the, the next step. It's, it's, it's you know... Up to this point, to me, you know, data has always been looking back and what happened, what has happened or what's happening right now. And data science is taking it to that next level. It's like, OK, based on that, what's going to happen? And I, I just was blown away by it. It's just so cool that, that you can, with, with the accuracy that we can, uh, predict things. And um, I guess just because it's the, the new shiny thing in the, uh, in, in the store right now or in my store, that's the thing it's, that's really, um, I think, the coolest thing going. Well, that's very cool, Kent. Uh, one last complete this sentence. I look forward to the day when I can use technology to blank. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I, I, I saw that question. And I said, yeah, Andy is going to be sorry that he asked me that question. Uh-oh. Because, <laughs> because Andy, Andy already knows this, but most, I guess everybody else doesn't know me. I'm like the contradiction of existences and, uh, and, kind of like being as old as I am I sit back and I reminisce about the simplistic old days and uh, actually I look forward to the day when uh, when I retire and most of technology I'll load up in a truck and send it down the road and I'm just going to sit on the porch (laughs) (laughs) all right so I have to ask it's a related question from the last answer what is VSGA is that Visual Studio Golf add-in or something like that no, that's the Virginia State Golf Association. Got it. And then, no, I didn't. I was, I was. Uh, my first thought was being the nerd that I am. I was like, "Via, oh, that must be some kind of Visual Studio add-in." Um, <laughs> yeah, I've got one. I'll sell you, Frank. There you go. <laughs> if we have an enterprising audience uh, member, they can probably build that a, a golf 
thing in any way. Um, so finally, our last question is share something different about yourself. Uh, we do have the um, general rating on iTunes, and we like to keep it. So keep it a family okay. podcast and answer appropriate for a family show. Okay, I'll, I will. I will certainly do my best to stay within those confines. Something different about me. I guess it's. Uh, I guess I would like to share a life lesson with folks. Um, Andy's heard me. You know, part of this. Uh, we talked. In fact, the other day we were we were having dinner with uh, with Ben McEwen and reminiscing back about. Uh, uh, Things that happened in the past, and I remember uh, when we were when I was getting a job with Unisys, Ben was going to be the big boss, and and he really shocked me. I was going to be working remotely, and he just shocked me because it was the first time I'd ever heard anything from someone like this in the work environment, where he said, "You got to promise me that you're going to uh, make a concerted effort to to know uh, to draw the line between work and home life." And know when to turn the machine off and walk away. He says, because you're no good to me, burn out. And I need you to, you know, stay on top of your game. And sometimes that means stopping and not doing it. And that that struck me. And I said, you know, not only does, uh, you know, does it doesn't it doesn't do him any good being burnt out, but it doesn't do anybody else around you any good being burnt out. And I kind of learned that I was I was thinking about all of that and I've, I've kind of tried, you know, I wasn't r- really successful for a long time, but I kind of tried to hold on to something like that by just what I, I witnessed growing up with uh, with my father. And I, I tend to reminisce about him a lot. He uh, he passed away in today's terms relatively early he did get to enjoy a little bit of uh of retirement time but one thing i learned growing up was you know you can have goals and you can work hard and and try to achieve them but you really need to take the time to enjoy the journey as you go because there's so much that you miss and um and that just that in conjunction with what Ben said just really struck home. And, you know, as we talked about taking the courses and how addictive it could get and everything. And that was a short term thing you take in the class. But, but, you know, I find with, with technology, and I think this is what gets me back to wanting to go sit on the porch type thing. I find that with technology as fast as it is and as much as it has, it has inundated our, our daily lives, it is, is way too easy just to get caught up in that. It's like the people that are walking down the sidewalk, you know, and they've got their phones stuck, you know, to the front of their face. And, uh, you know, and they're falling into the, uh, the fountains at the mall and stuff because they're totally unaware of what's going on around them. And, um, you know, the, I, in my opinion, we need to keep in mind that with all this great stuff we got around us, there are things in our life that are far more important than any of that. And I think we need to keep uh, keep everything in perspective and, and try to keep the right priorities. Very so wise word. Thank you. That's that's where I'm different. <laughs> I think everybody needs a, oh, you always need a contrarian in the room. Here I am. And I'm cheap. <laughs> <laughs>
Ken is definitely the tenth man. Yes, I was gonna. I was waiting for the uh, zombie World War Z reference. So I, I good couldn't job, resist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so where can folks find out more about you? Do you have a blog? Are you on um, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn? Uh, like I said, I'm I'm the um, the contradiction of existences, and I am totally under the radar. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I do um, you know I, I've got my uh, my LinkedIn page. You can find me on LinkedIn, and um, uh, I'm working on my own website right now. Uh, uh, my company is called Tutor Data Solutions, and that's because I live in the only English tutor house in the neighborhood, so that way everybody knows who I am. But it's uh, Tutor Data Solutions dot uh, com, and uh, or TutorDS.com, excuse me. And um, uh, you can always get to me through Enterprise Data and Analytics. Uh, that's where I, I live mostly is uh, is being Andy Sidekick. And um, and that's about it. So, you know, not, not too many avenues, but not too many to have to remember either. Good point. That's true, and I know for a fact you're on LinkedIn, Kent, so you're not completely under the radar. Not under the radar. I, I do a prairie dog every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, Kent, this has been an awesome show. I really appreciate both you and Frank sharing about your experience becoming Microsoft Certified Data Scientist. Um, if you're listening to this show, I hope, uh, hope you've learned something about the entire process, and I hope you'll consider it. Give it a look. Um, maybe you learned that it doesn't have to cost you money to gain the knowledge. Um, maybe you learned something about edX. Uh, maybe you learned something about just the job of being a data scientist. Uh, whatever it is, I think this was a really great show, and I really appreciate both of you taking time to do this, especially on a holiday. It was my pleasure. I enjoyed it, guys. Thanks again, Kent, and uh, thanks to everyone who's helped make this show a success. Uh, we are pretty close to crossing the 20,000 download mark, which is quite impressive considering we, we, we launched Memorial Day weekend. And uh, so this has been truly a summer of data science, wouldn't you say, Andy? I would. Thanks for listening to Data Driven. Don't just listen, become a data driver by going to datadriven.tv to sign up to join the community, access to special events, tips and tricks, and more. Sign up today at datadriven.tv.